0: Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR podcast. I am Pierce Dietrich, Race for the Prize on Twitter. Let's look at Watkins Glenn and previous optimal lineups. On your screen in front of you is the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, which you can get access to at racefortheprize.com. Be a contributor or a Patreon at patreon.com/slash Cruz DFS. You're looking at the 2021 Results, data points from Watkins Glen. There's your optimal lineup. Larson, Truex, Briscoe, Hamlin, Dillon, Alfredo. We talked about this yesterday. I don't know how much more detail I need to go into. But what we will do is look at the lap-by-lap to get an idea of where they were driving and helping you ahead of Watkins Glen decide. We talked about this in the previous video. If you didn't watch that video, I believe it's Watkins Glen Episode 3. We're now on Episode 4 of Watkins Glen. What's going on in this universe? How much content can there be? In that video, we discussed that two to three, about three hogs. Well, I mean, it's two hogs, three of the drivers in the optimal line at Watkins Glen. And we were really looking at road America. Absolutely belonged there. If you looked at qualifying practice, current form, all boxes checked for the most part. And when they finished well and led laps and scored a bunch of fantasy points, especially considering their price points or whatnot, it made a lot of sense. It wasn't a surprise. It wasn't a shock. They belonged in the optimal lineup, but we came away from that podcast after looking at road America and looking at this one right here, two to three of the drivers may not necessarily belong in the optimal lineup. They may not check all of the boxes heading into the race. That's a bit of a problem. But there's a silver lining to that. If everything is obvious, if we're going into Watkins Glen 2022 and practice and qualifying in current form completely determine who will be in the optimal lineup, then there would be no reason to play. Then all the picks would be obvious. Everyone would end up on the same guy, and everyone would tie. In this case, which is reality, three of them probably are going to make a lot of sense. Three of them may not be completely shots in the dark, but they're going to be slightly arbitrary or random. We pointed out, just to go back to what we talked about in that last video, because I think it really illustrates the point. When we look at Road America, what the secret is, and there's not really a secret that's going to necessarily help you, it just explains. We've got Kevin Arvik and Ricky Stenhouse. were in the optimal lineup in this year's Road America. Again, I like Road America because it's more of a high-speed road course. You kind of got to throw out Indianapolis because it's a wreck fest. You can still look at Sonoma. You can still look at Coda or whatnot, even though Coda gets a little hairy as well. I like Rotomare. And you look at this race and the big takeaway. So, I mean, Elliott, Reddick, fast. Suarez, fast, current form, checks all the boxes. Busher, again, I guess this is worth repeating. If you qualify up front, if you nail your round one session and then you go on to I mean, finish seventh, I mean, obviously he was only seventh out of ten in the second round, but he still put together pretty strong laps. You have a fast car, you know what you're doing, you know where entry is, you know where a- exit is, you know how to get you know, the perfect placement and have max speed during the apex of turns. So, again, Busher Suarez, Elliott Redick, current form, check, practice. Not so much for Elliott, but he makes up for that for qualifying. You really need to smash those together when evaluating. Those were all good. Harvick and Stenhouse were not good in practice. They were not good in the race. They passed practically no one during the race. And you'll say, how do you say he passed no one in the race? He gained 18 place differential points. Watch the video. I go over it. I almost all of those, I think all of those were on just pit cycling. Same thing for Stenhouse. Just holds position, doesn't get passed. All these gains are simply by pit cycling. So you're going into Road America, rewind the clock. You're heading in, you're looking like, oh, I can't fix Stenhouse. He's not very fast. And then you're watching the race, like, how is Stenhouse moving forward? I'm not seeing him pass anyone. Oh, I get it. He's just pitting before the end of the stage, and he cycles forward. And then he did it again, and he's just simply holding position. End of the day, 6,900. He was starting in the back again, which exemplifies what we have talked about. He wasn't fast. Harvick starting 28. He wasn't fast. He didn't have to be fast. Two of these guys were in the optimal lineup. That is definitely something to bear in mind when you were picking your Watkins Glen lineup this weekend. If you're looking for only the fast cars, probably not going to work. Especially since a handful of these guys could be point racing, meaning they're going to run to the end of stage one. They're going to run to the end of stage two. And it's going to look good for them. It's going to look good for your fantasy lineups. So my guys are running up front. Right? I'm looking good. And then stage three is going to kick off. And what we're going to see more than likely is four or five really fast cars in practice, four or five probably really fast cars in qualifying, four or five cars that were running well in the race, mixing it up, dicing up towards the front are going to start in 25th to begin stage three or maybe worse. And they're just not going to go anywhere as much as you would like to imagine, but they got fast cars. Yeah, that's great. But you simply, one does not simply walk into Mordor. One does not just hop, skip, and jump across the field at Watkins Glen. If you don't believe me, here, a perfect example is go to this year's Sonoma race. Last year at Sonoma, and I would say, last year at Sonoma, Kyle Larson was able to pull it off. This year at Sonoma, Kyle Larson was not able to pull off his greedy, unconventional strategy. Kyle Larson won the race last year with a daring strategy and was able to leap through the field. But my belief is that he was able to leap through the field because of the addition of the carousel and that extended part of the track created several more passing opportunities. This year, with his elimination, it was gone. And so Larson, although having the best car, clearly the best car, clearly the fastest car, he starts stage three in traffic. I think it was stage three. Maybe it was stage two. Either way, fast car. You don't get 5.4 fast laps, 6.5 laps lead points, but he ultimately finishes in 15. That's probably going to be the fortune of the drivers that are point racing. They will pile up stage one and stage two, have nearly 20 points in the bank and then they'll take their finishing points. They can't forfeit those 20 points and then hope at the end they get 40 points. makes much more sense to point race. And we'll just look real quickly at Larson's laps here to show you what happened to him, and this is what will happen to a handful of really good drivers. Yeah, keep track of the points. There's no guarantee. There are guys that I'm leaning towards thinking, ah, they're probably going to point race. No guarantee. We'll see what happens. I know what they should do. But you'll see Larson running in first. He runs to the stage. He restarts at 22nd. He is able to battle his way back up before the end of stage three, which I don't think I have labeled correctly, which is right here. Oh, there it is. And so we're going to restart in traffic. He may have had, he actually had an issue here, if I remember correctly. Either way, my point is, think, for example, starting in the traffic, it's hard to make your way forward. He is able to make some gains, because he is Kyle Larson. And I don't want to completely rule it out, but I don't expect a lot of drivers to make a lot of movement. Henry got a bit of an issue on these pit stops, but... Still, 10th place, that's not going to help you in your fantasy lineups. You're going to need a top five. You're going to need laps led. You're going to need fast laps. You can't afford one of your expensive top-tier drivers to forfeit stage two, because they ran it into stage one. So I think that's pretty clear. All right, let's look at previous Watkins Glen optimal lineups. Go to 2021 and look at some of these laps and see if we see a similar situation. Although I don't have the practice date in front of me and I have the complete scenario or circumstances or scripts, but we'll look. We got Larson, Truex, Briscoe, Hamlin, Dillon, I am afraid we talked about this today, Elliott, it's a hog. He doesn't make it into the lineup. Interesting point that we talked about was that and you know, the price is not even really that tough. There's not very many points available, but the value probably isn't always going to be there. We'll see. We'll look at other off the lineups, but in these lineups, you got two hogs. You couldn't even get the number two guy. Although it's a pretty close number here. Briscoe underpriced in retrospect, absolutely with 18 place differential points. You know, he's a good race car driver at the road courses. Same thing for Hamlin and Dylan just works because there just isn't any value. Again, this illustrates how poor the value is when you've got to take a chance on a 6,100 Austin Hillen is a pretty good deal, but 6,100 Austin Hillen starts 16th. It worries you. But again, and you say, well, really he started 16th. That means he has a fast car. They have qualifying. So him starting 16th does not demonstrate that he had a fast car. It just means that he had it 16th in points. So 6,100 for 16th, that's why he was priced the way that he was. Remember, NASCAR was releasing salaries well in advance and adjusting for the starting position and their ability to score points. He did not have the ability to move forward, and he clearly didn't. He only went forward one spot, but at least he didn't fall back, and no other value came through. And then that also allowed for Anthony Alfredo, with just the 21st most fantasy points at 5,600. And he really didn't go anywhere either 31 to 26. There wasn't any value on the board. The value was pretty terrible, and that's why you couldn't even get Chase Elliott. Now, you can't really look at practice because there wasn't any, but we can just see these guys that were in the off lineup, line, how did they run? The quickest and easiest way would be just look at their average running position or their rating rank, which is their driver rating, then turned into an integer. Which scores a lot more data points. He was the best driver. Scores the most fantasy points, optimal lineup. Elliott was only the fifth best driver. Truex was the second best driver. Maybe the best driver, doesn't quite pull away at the end, but eight point five laps led. He's got he's an interesting spot this weekend. Truex could win. Well, Truex could win if it were not for JGR struggles this season in the road course. If JGR were their normal self, then I would expect Truex to go into this race going for the win, given his road course history, his speed last season. But with JGR struggling with the next-gen car at the road courses, and they have struggled, that win, it is not guaranteed by any means. And with that being the case, I expect Truex to a point race so that he closes the gap with Blaney. And if it comes down to one final spot for the playoffs, right now it's trailing Blaney by 26 points. 26 is definitely, I mean, all he has to do is if we go, let's just say everything stays equal. We go into Dayton and there's still that one spot left to the point leader and Blaney only has 26 points on him. Well, if Blaney wrecks, Truex doesn't wreck, Truex gets that final playoff spot. So he needs to keep the gap where it is. So he has to basically point race with Blaney. Blaney, for the most part, has to point race with Truex. And they can both try to go for the win, but in going for the win, they're going to forfeit a bunch of points and then give a huge advantage to their opponent. Let's say Blaney decides I'm going for the win. Truex is going to cut into that gap and we will likely go into Daytona with maybe a 10 point deficit. And in that case, it may come down to a late race wreck. That is not a situation Blaney wants to be in. The safest way Blaney can go is to point race. Now, if I'm Truex and I'm seeing Blaney point race, I can go for the win. But if I don't get the win, then Blaney's going to put a huge gap between me and myself, Blaney and Truex. And then you're going into Daytona with maybe not even mathematically the possibility. It probably will still be there, but it's not going to be as close. The Truex will be then forced to point race, I expect. Okay, going back to are they fast? So, yes, they are fast. They ended up in the optimal lineup. Chase Briscoe, average rank position of 12th, which is very solid considering he started 27th. So, yes, he was fast in the race. He deserved a spot in the Auckland lineup, especially when you factor in his salary. Denny Hamlin, average rank position of 8th, started 5th. Driver rating rank of 3rd. So, he had the 3rd highest driver rating. So, yes, and especially at the salary, he deserved a spot in the Auckland lineup. Austin Dillon. Average running position of 16th, not terrible, top 15 driver, only a 4.8 return, but at 6,100 with no one else anywhere near the price range to him. Look, the guys that were in the top 10 were all priced accordingly. No one was affordable. Dylan made it just above Custer because of the small amount of savings. Then you get into the punts and... Although LeJoy has a little bit better day, he's just a little bit too much expensive. Costs a little couple more extra bucks. Starts 29th, finishes 24th. A better play than Alfredo Point but wise. Better play in terms of finishing position. He's just a little bit more expensive. Could have gone either way. Not really good, but these are just straight punts at this point. And you hope that you pick the best guy, and that really just would have been who could move forward. And if you guessed LeJoy, you weren't completely wrong. Got five? Alfredo got five. LaJoy finished a little bit closer. But you had a general idea. You had a, I guess there was a paradigm, an idea, a concept to follow. Give me a cheap punt under 6K, starting far enough back that can move forward. Joy, and if everyone's going LaJoy, then smarter to go with Alfredo and get a little bit of extra savings, unless that extra savings was really obvious going into Watkins' Bend and everyone was playing in so that they could build a certain lineup. Then, yeah, that's a different circumstance. We can look at the laps and track and see what some of these guys. I mean, might as well. We're here. And while I flip all the way over through the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, which you can get access to at racefortheprize.com, there it is. There's the sheet that I want. Go to racefortheprize.com. Click on that red box in the top right of your screen. It says Brandon Cruz DFS. At least go to that page once. I'm telling you, go there all the time and look it over and bookmark it. And at the beginning of the next month, you can sign up, subscribe for a month be a patreon for a month even if you don't use it a lot you can at least use it to say hey thanks i appreciate it i may not completely devour these spreadsheets and use every single one of these thousands of cells and data points all of this synthesized data that's designed to help me be a a better player but also to help me have more fun doing this it's just simply a great gesture a nice way for you to say that you appreciate me another way that you can demonstrate that you appreciate these videos is to hit like. This is the moment of the video where that one guy that always hits dislike, I talked about this before, I don't know who you are, I guess I have grown fond of you, but for whatever reason, every time I record a video, I get one dislike. There is one guy that has made it his quest on this planet, his meaning of life, his Victor Frankl philosophy is to make sure that he dislikes my videos every time. One. Every time. Hates me. And instead of removing that hate from his heart, instead of ignoring me and living a you know decent life, keeps coming back. Keeps coming back to experience the pain. House of pain. And so here I am. I'm here for you. If you want to be hurt, if you want to feel that pain, please jump into this video. Be annoyed, be frustrated, be complicated, and get mad, bro! Hit that dislike right now! All right, we will see you next time, dislike guy. Watkins Glenn looking at the laps real quick. Easy way to look: uh, top five laps, number two for Larson. Top five: Larson or Truex. Elliott, remember he doesn't get into the optimal lineup. Hamlin not far behind, seventh, but he is running in the top ten with a big four spot. Who's next? Briscoe up in the top 10, and that's very encouraging considering. Look, he ran the 7th most last inside the top 10, ninth most inside the top 5, and that was with the 27th starting position. How did he jump forward so fast? Well, you know how he jumped forward. Don't think I have the uh, pits marked, but you can assume right here is pit cycling as he drops back, cycles up to the front. Maybe he had a really good pit stop there. Track position, pit cycling, and then running in the front. Well, no, it's not the end-all, be-all. It doesn't fix everything. It doesn't cure all that ails you. It's not a magic elixir, the pit cycling. It does help. It is a boost. It is a benefit. It'll get you going. It's a cup of coffee, put you in the race. But if you have a good car and you're good at road course racing and you pit cycle, then yeah, it is a magic elixir. It is a fantastic tonic. It is not just snake oil. It will elevate you into a possible race winning position. Briscoe has the talent. Briscoe has the car. Throw in the pit cycling, and then, yeah, it's a no brainer with him starting in the back. Our next guys were Dylan. I imagine Dylan does pit cycling just to hang on to position. Now, it looks like he chased some stage points here. He fell back, got his spots back. That's decent, it's halfway decent. And he gets his spots back. And then let's see, I wish I would have had these stages marked. It's unfortunate. Alfredo, yeah, just kind of hanging in the back. Does he pass some cars at the end? Does he pit cycle and get some spots possibly? It looks like he actually makes a couple passes, but you know, that could also be guys that just have bad days. Like Justin Haley falling backwards, Dana Suarez falling backwards. Frank falling backwards, so that's three spots right there that he inherited. Wait, wait, one, two, three, four three. Four spots that he inherited through attrition. Something to consider if you get a punt for cheap, starting way in the back. You could pit cycle a little bit. Maybe he just pit cycles and gets two spots from equal competition. I mean, let's just say, for example, you pick a guy like Josh Palicki, maybe a little better, maybe Kyle Tilly, And they pit cycle, and that allows him to pass Quinn Health and Josh Balicki and RC Anderson. And then he also is able to through attrition, get some spots from, even though he doesn't get one from Priest and Haley, but he does get one from Kazaski. Those points add up and make the punts viable. Let's look at some other previous Watkins Glen optos. Got a couple in here. We don't have a 2020 race. We should have the 2019 race should be in this spreadsheet in the 2018 Watkins Glen race. Now I might not have them listed with optimal lineups. Yeah, I do have them. Awesome. So your optimal lineup in 2019, Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, De Benedetto Jones, Hamlin, Reagan. This was like the year of Jones. All of a sudden, this coming out party. He went from being a terrible road course racer, wrecking 17 times in the 2019 Sonoma practice, to all of a sudden, he is in the optimal lineup at Sonoma. He then not is in the optimal lineup at Watkins Glen. He just becomes this thing. Hamlin and Reagan is your straight punt. Let's look. Chase Elliott. Tons of points. You know the story. Trex does not get into this. That's really interesting. We're seeing like these three guys at the top and only two ever get in. So we're going to go to Blaney at 8,700. Saves you a little bit of cash. He is a place differential play. Average rank position of 12th. Driver rating of 8th. More than likely ran. I don't have the laps in front of me, so bear with me. He More than likely had, a lot of his laps in the top 10 and top five, but he had a starting position outside of the top 15. So that hurt his average probably overall. Di Benedetto plays differential play. Eric Jones plays differential play. Runs up front. This is JGR Eric Jones. He's having a good season at the road courses. What was his price tag? Expensive, okay. That's interesting. Denny Hamlin, 9,400. Denny Hamlin. Average running position of 5th, he deserved to be there. And then David Reagan, I imagine he fits in with that Anthony Alfredo mold of just kind of moves forward a little bit, and it was a straight punt. David Reagan scored in fantasy points-wise. The 13th most fantasy points, gets 9 plays, differential points. Average running position of 25th, starts 31st, finishes 22nd, so a almost... Oh, the same position as Alfredo. What was his price a little bit more expensive? No, same price as Alfredo. And runs better than Alfredo. Not crazy. Not out of this world. And going into that race, you wouldn't have thought. You'd be like, alright, yeah, I can take David Reagan at 5,600. Starting 31st. If you were going to take Quarter of Joy in that last race, then you would have taken David Reagan. Um, so we just got one straight punt. We do have some cheap... Affordable guys that get you place differential sub-9K. k, ton of place differential hard to ignore. Um, I don't know if you would have obviously gone to Matt DiBenedetto starting 20th. I don't think you would obviously flock to Eric Jones starting 14th at his price. I wouldn't have. So unique lineup. I'm sure that whoever built this off the lineup was the sole winner. But as I mentioned before, Jones had been running well that season. Benedetto is racing for his life. Blaney seems fine, right? The more, oh, the more interesting story of Blaney is that he makes it in. And because of these expensive guys, that get a bunch of place differential and knocks Truex out of the optimal lineup. Hamlin, was sheep, surprisingly slides in there. Not the most obvious build by any means. Let's look at the 2018 Watkins limit. I don't know if I've got the optimal in this one. And I don't. But we can look at some of the points here and just make some guesses. I got the optimal one probably another spreadsheet somewhere else. Chase Elliott again, a bunch of points. Kurt Busch, a bunch of place differential points, so very similar to the 2019 build where you would have Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney. It's Chase Elliott and Kurt Busch. Kyle Busch scores a bunch of haul points. Depending on his price, he would have been in the optimal lineup. I'm not sure. Daniel Suarez was almost obviously in this optimal lineup for Stuart Haas Racing, 17 place differential points, decent road course racer. Seems like he got a little bit of an exaggerated finish here. After was in position of 10th. He wasn't too far off. His driver rating, technically, though, was 5th, so his finish of 4th, not that crazy. I would like to see what he did in practice that year to see if we can explain why he ran well. But again, remember, this is Stuart Haas racing Daniel Suarez. Suarez has uh, a good bit of road course experience. Not the biggest outlier performance. Not the craziest thing. Now, not as obvious as Kurt Busch, who has more road course experience than anyone has been pretty solid statistically. So, Elliot, Busch, Busch, no one would be surprised. I think after the fact we understand Suarez, Truex, 9.5 fast left, if I remember correctly in 2018, this is that race where he just couldn't get around Chase Elliott at the end. Wouldn't have been wrong for picking him. It's fine. I think no surprises here. If we're looking at practice qualifying correlations, it's probably all there. And as we go down here, we're seeing guys that are just nipping towards that double-digit place differential. so. Whoever would have been the cheapest in 2018 would have slid in. I would imagine Jamie McMurray in his final days at CGR with seven place differential points, starting from 14th to 17th. Definitely not going to be very appealing to most people. Really good race, though. 16th in terms of rating rank. Maybe you would have liked William Byron, still pretty early in his career. Again, as we mentioned earlier, Eric Jones starting to turn the corner. Maybe it was 2018. Yeah, actually it was 2018 when he turned the corner at Sonoma, or wrecked in the corner five million times at Sonoma. Then ran well at Watkins Glen. Then ran well at Sonoma the next year. A. Watkins Glen the next year. And that JGR equipment. Not sure he would have been cheap enough place differential points. Maybe boyer. Good road course racer. Got the win with MWR once upon a time at Sonoma. Chugging the vino. Harvick, not going to work at that price. Alex Bowman, 2018, Watkins Glen. He did have a win in the bank from the Chicago win earlier that season. He may not have been completely affordable. Stenhouse probably, where did he start? 23rd, You really wouldn't have liked that too much. Ty Dillon, if he was a punt, and he probably was in that Jermaine car, Starting 30th, going to 23rd. Probably was about 59-62. That's your Alfredo. That's your Corey LaJoy. That's your David Reagan. Might have been a little bit more expensive, but I believe that would be where most people were leaning. Paul Menard had been optimal several times. at Watkins Glen in the past. Paul Menard was starting 37th. He only finished 28th, though. I imagine Paul Menard was chalk, and he didn't score enough points. It's probably David Murray was the pivot. That'll do it. Thanks for joining me here at the Fantasy NASCAR podcast. If you like this data, this information, like, subscribe, share. Q2 dislike guy. Do you think dislike guy's really still hanging around here at this point? If he is, kudos to him. If he hates these videos so much and he hates me so much, or maybe it's a guy that really likes me, it's just a troll that he gets a huge kick out of, but, uh, I mean, I can see the data. Most of you are not still here at this point, so I can almost say whatever I want. And that's why, over the years, if you remember back the awesome, well, not awesome, fan vice. fanvice, fanvice days, I would start with the rants. And people, people loved it because of the terrible things I would say, the resentful words that would spew from my mouth, and the DFS battles that existed or still do exist, and the, you know, petulant behavior, mainly of my own. People loved it. Uh, and I still i wish I could say that I've matured and completely grown and have uh, achieved self-actualization. I cannot tell you that I have. And you occasionally will hear me say some really dumb, bold things at the end of the podcast. So if you have the cojones to stick around or are just that bored, then sometimes at the end I treat you with some nonsense, some really absurd comment statements, or just really mean things to say about other people, sites, organizations, or things in life, like this, like that. Don't do it at the beginning anymore. you got to stick around to the end. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I'm not going to do that in this podcast. I will close by saying please go to racefortheprize.com. Please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com. You're likely already subscribed to Brandon's YouTube video. Check it out, subscribe, check out all the other content. There's tons of stuff on YouTube. You see new videos popping up every day from tons of different providers and content creators. Check them out. Why not? Absorb them all. If you've got time and you really want to, check out all the spreadsheets. Why not? Support everyone. Why not? Read all the articles. Read all the free articles. I've got tons of free articles. been doing tons of free articles for almost a decade now at DraftKings Nation, part of Vox Media. You can check out all that stuff. Or don't. Just watch my videos and like and subscribe my videos and be team me. And swear allegiance. Just like guy.